Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Guys, let's do this. Episode 2. Guys, we're back for episode number two of Till the Dirt with Tommy and MJ. I'm so into you. Are you so into me? Yeah, I love you, toots. And then what? Like, this is the episode where we tell people that I might have lied to you a little bit? Well, you always lying. <laughs> I always lie. Mm. But anyway, Till the Dirt is basically about our relationship. And last week, we talked about the first time we met, which was on Tinder. In this episode, we talk about some of the things we weren't comfortable sharing with each other when we first met. We're going to talk about the first time she told me she was on a reality TV show, which... Uh, uh, just so you know, it was not right away. It actually took a long time. I took my sweet ass time. And that's the story we're going to tell you. No one in general wants to be thought of as a liar or someone who withholds from their significant other a very, very big fact about themselves because they're still getting to know them. And selfishly, I thought that until I decide that's how long it'll take for you to know that I do reality TV. After you and I had our first date and we started just hanging out, at what point did we become like spend every single night at my house? It was early on. It was pretty early on. So October, you would go out and do your thing and then we'd hook up later in November. That's about three months into our relationship. By then, we were together pretty much every day. It sounds super douchey to say like, I didn't want to go public with our relationship yet, but that's exactly what it was. Well, listen, I get it. I get the need to be super cautious and super protective of who you are in this age of influencers and social media and everybody out there putting their business out there. You want to know if you meet someone, if it's sincere, if it's real, or if there's games attached to it. So we both withheld things from each other, but we were honest at the same time. And what I love about us is that even if there was something that we weren't ready to share, we weren't total liars. We just said, hey, 
I'm not ready to let you know about this thing about me. You specifically told me you didn't want me to see the inside of your apartment, but you told me that you didn't want me to see the inside of your place. That makes a big difference from you like driving me by a sick crib and being like, oh, that's where I live. We just can't go there. It's being fumigated right now. Do you know what I mean? Got to give yourself credit for things like you too had Oberu, which is like your guard was up. Everyone has to hold up a little bit until they're more ready to be vulnerable. I'm not going to open myself up to you if you're not worth it. Why should I be open with you if you're not fucking worth knowing this intimate knowledge about me? I'm only going to go there with you when you and I have like met that rite of passage. But with men, you were somewhat more guarded. I know the neck bone that you were dating before me, he was full of shit and he was doing other stupid things to you. So that, that also puts you on your- about what kind of job he had and he was just a mess. Yeah, but he was yeah. with another girl too. Like he had a whole bunch of lies. But none of that matters. All I'm talking about is that when I had met you, you had just come off the with that jack off. Right. So you had your guard up a little bit. Anyway, what was it like for you? You know what I mean? It had to be weird for you not to tell someone that you're with spending a lot of intimate time with what you do for a li I mean, listen, you told me you do real estate and there were signs and shit. There was real estate stuff all over. So like, that was easy to believe. Like I helped you do open houses at that point and red carpets or stuff like that. But like, I just figured that as a, like a popular real estate agent, they go to those things just as much. And that's a big part of why I was discovered to do Shaw's was probably because I was bawling in real estate. I was passionate about it then, and I'm passionate about it now. I wasn't just some random person who wasn't doing anything. I was successful in my own career. But babe, at this point, you and I are three, four months in. I feel like I can trust you. I feel like you're a keeper. I've spent enough time with you that I know I want to go out somewhere with you. I kind of feel like I want to like show us off and I want to do a big group dinner. Like I know in the past I canceled on us for like doing, you know, public things, but now I know I'm ready. I want to like do PDA and stuff. So I get an invite to this big dinner party and you're my date. That was the first time that we were going out publicly. And that was the first time that you told me, yo, I'm just giving you a heads up before we go out. People might say something. I'm on a TV show. It's, you know, shots of blah, blah, blah. And that was the first time you told me. So how was that? One, to keep the secret as long as you did. And two, did you have any worries about what would happen once we had that conversation? You can't just meet a guy and then just say, I'm on a television show about wealthy Persians who run L.A. Our shot song is like, we run L.A. We run L.A. Lights <laughs> okay. We're not like trust fund kids. We actually have to work for a living and our parents have to work for a living. It's honestly the combination of being really selfish about where I thought I was getting to know a guy that it was my timeline that I would be able to like just get to know you for who we are without all that outside stuff. And I didn't think that I would be dropping a bomb on you that was gonna make a difference. If I told you on the first day, you would have probably run because you would have Googled me. 100%. Which you didn't. 100%. I wanted nothing to do with the reality television aspect of anything at that point in time in my life. People just see me and they see how I met my wife and they just see things typically from her vantage point and they don't really know a lot about mine. So just a little background so everybody understands what's going on. Before I met my wife, just before, I was coming off my own situation with reality television 
And at that point, it was a real, real negative experience. Uh, basically, my best friend, who was like my brother, Jamie Sangwithai, he was on the Chloe and Lamar show. You know, we had just had a falling out. You know, he's dead now. Um, at that time, it was just a real negative cloud that, that hung over my head when it came to reality TV and all that came with it. So in, in a nutshell, without going too deep, I grew up with Jamie Sangatai. He's from Queens, like me. I grew up with Lamar Odom. You know, grow up, I'd known him for 20 years. We went to high school together. So I had just had a falling out with Jamie and, you know, Lamar too, to a certain extent. So at that time, they had just been on the Chloe and Lamar show. You know, I was there for all that. I saw all of it. And I just want to say one thing about Chloe and the Kardashians. I only met them a few times here and there. I don't want to pretend that I had a close relationship with any of them because I didn't. I knew them in passing. And Jamie and I were frickin' frack. Lamar is, he was an NBA basketball player, you know, and then he met Chloe, who's a, you know, at that time was a big celebrity, however you want to use that word. So they were, you know, they were out there. You see Lamar in bits and pieces. It's not like you spend a ton of time with him. He's got a full plate. Jamie and I, we'd spend all our time together, and then we'd spend our weekends here. And, you know, before that show was going to start, there was a lot of excitement for him. He was going to be on television. You know, these people were all famous. They're all doing great things. He thought it was going to be his big break. And I was there to witness it. See, my friend being in that position was a fantastic time. The reason that he came out to L.A. was to take over and run Lamar's record label. I wasn't really here for how that all transpired. And he was out there having a blast. But there was two seasons. The first season... You said Jamie wasn't portrayed in the best light, right? By the second season. The first season... Things are uh, always positive in the first season. Yeah, year. I mean, Lamar will tell you this. He himself was a drug addict. I mean, Odin wrote a book about being a drug addict. So Lamar was doing his own thing. So when you try to tie your sale to that person, which Jamie was like in terms of business and things like that, it's hard to do that with the drug addict. They're going to let you down a lot. And then before long, Jamie got caught up too. He had divided diverticulitis. He had it real bad. Like that's something that's supposed to happen to you older in life. He had it at a real young age that they couldn't even spot it and whatever. Long story short, before long, uh, you know, he got real sick. He was in the hospital for like the next four or five months. He wound up shitting in a bag for a long time. He kind of got hooked on the painkillers in the hospital. And uh, when he came out here, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. People were still just throwing Vicodins and perks and shit like that his way. And before long, it just went down a bad road. Now, listen, again, Lamar just hooked up with Chloe. It was real quick. They met and got engaged and were married all within a few months. So there was an introduction to the family. Like, first thing Chloe did was get rid of the hangers-on. There was people in, in Lamar's group that were just kind of there. So she trimmed the fat. She got rid of a lot of them. Jamie was not one of those people. Jamie was like, he was in Lamar's bridal party. He was a lot closer so he wound up kind of linking up with them. But once the season started, Jamie didn't have anything going on. You know, those shows are meant for you to kind of get get it going, get something going on, you know, and he didn't have it. And so uh, like by second season, you're saying it one comes and goes. Yeah, one comes and goes. But the one thing that came from one was his Q factor increasing. Like people know him now. What is Q 
factor? Just, you know, he, his... Is it like clout? No, it's like, you know, your popularity index. Like how fashionable you are, how in you are, how present you are. His Q rating went up a lot after that first season because, again, he's friends with Lamar. Lamar, the Lakers just won the title. There's no bigger stars in L.A. 2011, I think, 2012, right around there. And, you know, the Kardashians are the biggest thing on television. So this dude's running around with all them. You know, he got real popular real quick. And originally, I thought this was going to be a launching pad for the kid. And yes, in some ways, me, you know, not necessarily from the TV. I'm talking about like business opportunities. Like at that time, Rob, Rob Kardashian, who he was friendly with. You know, I know Rob a little bit, not too much. I'm not trying to say that I know him, you know, a couple of times we've hung out. But, you know, he and Rob knew each other. Rob was just getting business opportunity after business opportunity thrown at him. And uh, the, the other dude, Disick, you know, same shit. It wasn't just the Kardashians and it was anybody in the periphery. I mean, Odom, his Q factor went through the roof. He was already on the Lakers, but he blew up when he met Chloe. And then you had the, the Hawk sisters, you know, the food God. Anybody in their sphere was blowing up. It's right around the time where Instagram and being an influencer actually started to mean something. So it, it was on the ground floor of something that could potentially blow up for everybody. So like, Jamie's going to run with these people? Oh, wow, forget it. There's just going to be tons and tons of business opportunities. You know, I consider myself to be not stupid, you know, and, I, and, and if afforded the right opportunities, I feel like we would have made a killing, you know, and it just, it never materialized. He took advantage of that popularity. Shit, I did too. We had a lot of fun, but there was no works Monday. Monday morning, I got work. What are we doing? Like I had work. I worked every day. Jamie had no job, so Jamie was always, you know, trying to think of the next business venture, the next business idea, but everything was tied to L, and L's not coming to a meeting, so now it's L's fault. No one's taking any responsibility for anything. It's just about the good time, you know? And then season two comes around, and they got to, what's this kid up to? What We got to paint a story of this kid, and he didn't give him nothing to go off of aside the fact that he was getting fucked up. So they kind of ran with that and just pushed that narrative that he had problems with substance abuse and blah, blah, blah. And then, so he went further and further down that path. And then like he went to rehab for a weekend and on the show, it's, oh, look, he went to rehab and he's great. But when the camera stopped rolling, his weekend in rehab didn't solve his problem. Things just kind of progressively got worse. You know, I'm not going to say I'm an angel. I partied a little bit too, but I was nothing like that. You know what I mean? I wasn't partying like how these guys were. But at the same point in time, I'm, you know, I was no one to tell them to stop. Like for me to be like, yeah, you have a problem. It's like, who are you to say I have a or, problem? You um, know? Before Jamie went to rehab, did you see something bad happen at the place in Roosevelt? Yeah. Before he went to rehab, he almost died, bro. He was getting fucked up. Like I come home from work and he'd be like passed out on the floor you'd wake him shake him up he'd wake up and be coherent again and you know what are we what, what are we doing here what's going on bro and then when he eventually went to rehab i moved back towards hollywood i was gonna get away from there if it didn't work out because i couldn't like it was like watching someone drown in quicksand and then before you know it it's like wait a second i'm standing in the quicksand too because every day i'm with you all my time is spent with you so like if you're doing this and it's and you're going completely downhill. What I'm running in place then, or I'm going backwards. So he comes out of rehab. He comes out of rehab. He's great. And I would, I basically moved in with him. 
You know, I don't even go to the other place. I just pay the rent just in case some shit happens. And, and then we went home for Christmas. He had just gotten his money. Now, when he got the diverticulitis, it was misdiagnosed. So the hospital he was at was notorious. It was the worst hospital in Queens. It's actually closed now. He's one of the reasons that they had to close because his lawsuit, they had tons of them. He got like a million dollars. Lawyer took what he took. So he, he got like 700 grand. We were supposed to do a hot dog business. There was going to be a tie-in to the show. None of that came to fruition because of the drugs. In the end, it wouldn't have mattered because Chloe and Lamar broke up and there was never a season three. But Jamie was in good spirits. This was the plan at that time. When he was going back to New York to see family, see his mother for Christmas, the plan was to go there, spend New Year's in New York, but then we were supposed to fly back like the second week of January. And uh, I was on the plane. He wasn't on his and, you know, you call them, oh, I'll be there another few days, another couple of days, another week, you know, so you, you keep speaking to him. And now he's by this person's house or that person's house. And you know those people and they ain't good people. And you're like, oh, shit. And by the time he came back, the wheels were off the cart, bro. Like he was fucked up. And I'm fucked because I let the place go. So now I live with you. The plan is or the plan for us now was to then go get a place together. You got your money. So... I can't get a place with you, bro. Like how you are right now, I can't do it. I can't watch you die every day. So then what happened? Um, so we had fallen out. You know, we were getting the fights every day at this point. You know what I mean? Like he tell me some crazy lie. And it's the equivalent is like I was riding on a unicorn today. And, you know, I, I don't mean like that. Like he's telling you real shit, but it's just so far fetched. You might as well be telling me that. Like Nike and Coca-Cola called? Exactly. Exactly. It's like, bro, I know that's a lie. I'm sitting right here. Right. And then, you know, so I had words with him and I had kind of words with L too. So like I turned my back. I left everything I had accumulated in life up to that point. I took a bag of shit and I left. But what was Lamar doing during this six month period when he was doing really well and you guys are gearing up for another season? Lamar wanted to see if he was going to give him any money, which I respect. Oh, like the, pay him back. Like he got hit off with a lot of money. Jamie didn't take care of his mother, which she should have. She died of a broken heart. You know what I'm saying? I'm happy she's dead because her life was fucking miserable once her son died. But I'm saying he never did anything for her. Never offered Lamar, yo, bro, here's some money for all that you've done for me. And listen, Lamar wasn't looking for the handout. He was just looking for the gesture. As he had every right in the world to do. Is that what caused them to grow apart? Well, no, I'm fairly confident. There was a tape that TMZ released where Lamar and Jamie are fucked up. I'm fairly sure Jamie sold that tape to TMZ. Allegedly. So Lamar, at that point in time, I think was kind of done with Jamie. Now, I get it. The kid's dead now. Lamar's also said he's done a lot of fucked up shit. He's got to know that the monkey on the back makes you do crazy shit. You know, the Jamie I know was not that dude. The Jamie that I know... I miss every day, every second of every day. I, I hate the fact he's ne he never met my wife. I hate the fact he's never going to meet my son. I kick myself for not being a better friend to him while he was alive. The Jamie that I know, that I grew up with, was a magic. In any room he walked in, he was the most charismatic person in the room. He was a real smart kid, too. You know, he had a full scholarship to RPI, which is, you know, one of the top technological schools in the country behind MIT. He... Had a job with Bear Stearns. But that was also the problem. The Jamie that died or the Jamie, the last Jamie that was around was a motherfucker. He was a liar. All those bad things you hear about drug addicts, Jamie was that at the end. So 
I left that. And when I met you, like, I would talk a lot about that. And I, like the last thing I was looking to have any involvement with was any type of reality TV or any type of celebrity or like, I was so turned off of that shit at that time. Like I was running from it. Cause in my mind, it was like that shit killed my friend. I could say hindsight, time has moved on and I could sit and be objective and really like look back. He shouldn't have been in that spot he wasn't ready it was just a, a total bad opportunity for him which came disguised as a good one hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The reason that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of belaboring this point is I just want to get it across that I wanted nothing to do with the reality television aspect of anything at that point in time in my life. So I'm kind of telling her this. And it's definitely over my head. Like when you talk about this now and I'm listening to you, there are details that have a completely new meaning for me. Well, you didn't delve too deep. Like the same thing we talked about with the last episode, there was a level of trust that you and I hit off from jump. I feel like if you delve too deep and you didn't bring up the fact that you were on a reality TV show and when it came up later, it would have put like a little bit of a pit between us. Like, wow, you didn't tell me? I was just getting that off my chest. You weren't really coming back with, so tell me, what does Chloe like to wear? What are the Kardashians like? If you would let me get it off my chest, because I needed to. I didn't have my friend as a sounding board, but that was it. And then we'd move on. You were worried that I was going to try and meet a Kardashian through you. I was worried that you were going to judge me from what you saw in the episodes before you got to know me. And then start putting, you know, bad pieces. Which I've never done. To this day, I've never done. I've never seen an old episode. I've only seen the episode of Shaz that I'm in. I haven't watched anything prior to that. Exactly. What I'm saying is... I had to be worried about whether or not you were gonna put the pieces together before I wanted you to find out because then I know I for sure would have logged on and found those episodes and binged every single stitch of film and then checked YouTube and checked Google and then I know that you would have read a lot of things that weren't going to be things that I was ready to share. Like, I'd rather you hear them from me than online. And you don't know what might spook a guy that you really like. But once I knew from you that you were on it, I didn't want to go back. I would formulate opinion off of you or about you that would be different from the person that I know that I've spent the last four months with day in, day out. It didn't make sense to me. I felt like all it would be able to do was irk me. But like your past is your past. I don't care what you did, who you're with, what you were into. That shit don't bother me, bro, because I got a past too. Everybody got one. The only thing that would bother me is if I thought that that incubator of trust that we built, because it really was, I never had had that with anybody else. It's one of the reasons that you and I are still here together. It's one of the reasons that we have a baby and we built the life that we have. It was that we were so truthful and honest in that period of time that if I found out that that was bullshit, that would have been different because it would have made everything a house of cards. 
Like, I totally respect that. We were really open and honest. It was just, it was really meant to be because again, you know, the timing of the way things worked, it just, it, there's a reason you and I are sitting here. Let's put it that way. Honey, that's a lot. You went through a lot. Whew. I thought this shit was going to be funny. All right. So that obviously is a pretty heavy topic. You said it was a story that needed to be told. Yeah. And it was, it's, you know, if you're going to tell our story, it's a, it's a big part of it. Shifting gears a little bit. And uh, going back to the friends, what do your friends think of me the first time that I met them? Because, you know, they said one thing to me, I'm sure they were saying a completely different thing to you. All my friends thought you were super funny, really intelligent and wild and let me be who I am. So I think that the best ingredients for a real genuine connection and being able to maintain that is you have moral values that you share. And like, it didn't matter whether you were going to be a super wealthy guy and then be a dick and a douche and a liar. It mattered that you're decent and funny and smart. If I had one piece of advice, though, one thing, I, uh, one pearl of wisdom that I could share, it would be to play charades early in the relationship. What do you mean? Going back to us, our first New Year's together, she had like a New Year's get together. We had a little bit of a, of a party. And by the end of the night, you know, what filtered and what was left, there was maybe, what, 10, 12 people. And we played charades and we dominated. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone was a couple and it's about 3.45 a.m. And it's time to keep the night going. And what better than charades? So we end up doing so. And we were in sync. That's why I'm telling you as advice, because I can only go off of our relationship. We're a success story. We've been together seven years. We're married. We have a baby. I can only go off of what got us here. And I could speak from experience when I say charades. If you play charades and you have a, a little bit of a connection. No, no. Charades is a compatibility test. If you suck at it, you might end the relationship prematurely. And you maybe you should. Because again, I, for me and her, we're here now. We played charades a few months into the relationship and we dominated. I'm telling you, like it was eerie. Like it was one word examples or not, you know, one symbol or whatever. And we got right away. The other people were in awe. It was awe-inspiring game of charades. And I today still think about it. Our victory created ripple fights with our friends that were there coupled up saying like, how come they can figure out these maze answers, these labyrinth questions, and they and then we over here have been together for 15 years and we don't know. I don't think anyone ever expected me to be with a guy from Queens with such a deep accent. <laughs> uh, what accent? I have perfect diction. Like, it was a little weird. We probably thought, babe, that you were going to be just around to, like, you know, give me some mojo. Yeah. Bang you out and moving on. Keep the it fact pushing. is... That's why she was she was running with the crew. They were the pickle chasers. Her and, Le and uh, Layla and, you know, a couple other ones. Her single friends. They had jackets made up, like in high school, when you have, like, the varsity letter. and had a P on it, and there was a big pickle on the back. The pickle chasers. Like, Layla's still out there right now. She's still captain of the pickle chasing team. She's still out there. My wife had to retire a jacket. They took it back from her. But she was still, you know, at this particular time, they didn't know whether or not she was, you know, she caught a pickle or whether or not she was still out there pickle chasing. But, you know, it looks like you got your, you got your dill. I take back all my previous answers. All of my friends thought 
Well, this guy is probably giving it to her good. Because you've got a million friends to bounce this type of shit off of. Meanwhile, I'm stuck out here on an island. I'm basking in Robin's 31 flavors. Tommy, do you feel like... Oh, no? hang, hang on, babe. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my son. I'm grateful that we're all healthy. I'm grateful for the opportunity to do this podcast. I appreciate all the fans out there that have listened, liked, subscribed. You guys are the best. I'm grateful for the Mets. I'm grateful for... And you're for grateful for Steve Cohen. For Steve Cohen. So people don't know what you're doing. People don't know that you do a gratitude bell, you guys. So a couple years ago, I think around the time when our son was born, you started to talk about things out loud, which I've adopted. I think it's really cool because when you say it out loud, you are kind of like speaking it into intention, like more stronger. It's supposed to calm you down, right? This is supposed to... Like make you a better person? Well, she's, you know, my wife, that's that's her. She usually gets things half right. She's half right on this. It, was, it didn't go far that far back. I actually had to get court-ordered anger management, and I went to, you know, a lot of the sessions. She turned me on to books, and I, I would do a lot of reading on my own. I'm a pretty voracious reader. I like to read. And I read a lot of uh, Napoleon Hill, like she's talking about. I'm going to change your name to Rita. Where you could kind of put it out there into the universe. I have a tendency to... You have a bad temper. No, not even that. I have a tendency to think that the worst case scenario of things are going to happen. So like when I'm forecasting into the future, yeah. And when I think, all right, I think on of what's the worst that could happen. You need to think on what's the best that could happen. And that's really just a matter of thought. You could switch that thought and you could change that point of view. And now that I had the little guy... I definitely want it to be more positive. There's nothing worse than thinking for your son, what's the worst case scenario of something that's going to happen? Who wants to think like that? So I think, the, you know, I want to be a positive. I want to I have that positive thought process. And one of the ways that I do that is by setting gratitude alarms. I set seven a day. My son, is, his birthday was the 17th. I thought 17 might be a little overkill. So I set seven a day. And anytime they go off, wherever I am, no matter what I'm doing, I could be in the middle of the conversation with someone. It might come off as rude, but this is more about my... Awkward. But, you know, it's funny because I've told a lot of people to do this. And, you know, not everybody listens, but I've had a few people that have listened. And, you know, I had one person recently that was doing it and said I had to stop because, you know, they were just going off during phone calls at work or, you know, if I was having a meeting or something, it would just go off. So I like, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I was like, you don't get it. That's, that's exactly when you're supposed to be doing it. That, that you being grateful supersedes everything else in your life at that moment, that that's what's most important, that all the other stuff is just white noise, you know? And I promise you, because I know firsthand experience, if you stop whatever you are doing and you have you say what you're grateful for, the other person, if you're in the middle of a conversation, you're in a meeting, you're in a job interview, I don't care, whatever it is, when you explain to them why you do it, they're going to be like, wow, that's awesome. I should do that too. No one's going to look at you like, well, you're a weirdo. Everyone's going to be like, wow, I really should take time to appreciate what I'm grateful for as well. I didn't know you were going to get so deep today. 
I just want to say I'm the opposite of you. I'm extremely optimistic. Like I automatically assume the best thing is going to happen to me. Well, even you got if it me. doesn't. You got me. So I get it. Shut I get up. why you would feel like that. I, you wake up every morning. I'm next to you in bed. I get why you would think that the, you know, I rainbows come out of your you. ass. And... I have to smell you before I see you. So don't even try don't to say that. I don't know what that means. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? I stink? You trying to say I stink? In... You call me stinky? Listen. I can't imagine being the person that thinks the worst is going to happen, but I do understand. You ever met your mother? You ever met her? But I do understand why you're like that. I don't want that for my kid, though. I don't want want to have a conversation with him about, you know, his science project or, you know, what's going to happen next year going in. I don't ever want it to be from a bad place. I want them to just think positive because it's very true. If you think positive things, positive things will happen to you. I love that you're actively doing something to rewire yourself so that you become more of a natural optimistic person because it is really tough to worry and no one wants to do that. So I love that. And I do think it's really fun to watch the expression on people's faces when your alarm goes off and you don't care what's happening. You're just going to say your gratitude. And then they're like, what is he doing? And then they realize that there's a lot of power in that. So I'm into it. Thank you, babe. I appreciate you uh, you recognizing the effort that I've put in. Yes. Um, I appreciate that you take notice of that. You know, I, I don't do it for myself. I do it for you. I do it for our little guy. Relationships so, are important for acknowledging and showing appreciation for the people that you're with. Yeah, that's a necessary thing. I, anybody that's in a relationship, you need to not be taken for granted. So sometimes you just need that pat on the back uh, from your partner. It's necessary. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I also am extremely grateful. Like I too want to shout out all you guys that are tuning in and downloading and following us. It means everything. We love doing this. We want to keep it going. So yes. Gratitude. Yeah, totally. I mean, with the response that we've gotten so far, the only regret we have is we didn't start to do this a, a while ago. It's really been overwhelming. We genuinely appreciate it. We enjoy this coming in suit and the shit um, with you guys. And you know what? Uh, I'm real grateful to have the opportunity to do it with you. The the thing is, how we started this though, I think it was when we were asked by people, "Where the f is your podcast?" Well, that's not true. I've had this in my head for a while. We just were looking for the right. The, the, we had the perfect combination of things that worked out that, you know, we're able to do this now. We got the right team together in place. I had a dream. Now I bid you farewell. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Till the Dirt with Tommy and MJ. We're so happy you're coming on this journey with us. It would mean so much to us if you would rate our show, give us five stars, leave a nice comment and subscribe so that you can stay up to date with all our new episodes. You could also follow us on all platforms at Till the Dirt with Tommy and MJ. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.